Welcome to the Everyday Ministry Podcast, where ministers get together to discuss everyday ministry. Hey everyone, this is James White, one of the co-hosts here at the Everyday Ministry Podcast. Due to scheduling issues, once again, we are going to have a slightly different episode for you this month. The episode is Jamie Owens preaching at a church down South Alabama. And so we want to encourage you to take a listen to it and send some love his way and encouraging him as he continues to craft his ability and skill in preaching the Word of God. Thanks so much, and we hope you enjoy the episode. morning, you know, I was kind of uh, thinking of what I need to preach about as I, when I come down here. I was thinking of, uh, you know, what scripture, what I need to say. I was praying earnestly about this, and uh, as I was doing such, uh, I kind of, this time of year kind of, uh, I think, will help me to, or help me to understand what I need to uh, preach. You know, this first Sunday, that we're being able to gather as a body of believers, as Christians. This is the first Sunday that we're able to worship God in, in the year 2019. And, you know, I really want to do something that really kind of catapults us to a wonderful 2019. Now, I know many people like to make resolutions, you know, some of the common ones, uh, to lose weight, uh, to eat healthier, to read more, or maybe just to, in general, be a better person. Uh, so many people like to make these resolutions, and I think there is a good place for that. There's a good place for saying, you know, I want to achieve a certain goal, and then seeking after that goal. There's a good place for uh, trying to better ourselves. So I think those are good. But I actually want to say this morning, this, this sermon will not be one of those types of sermons. This will not be a ten ways to better your uh, Christian walk. It will not be five ways to read the Bible more effectively. It won't actually be in that, that vein because I, I was thinking, what is the most important thing that we can start the year 2019 off right? And my, my mind could not get this out of my head that the best thing that we can start this year is hearing the gospel. And that's what we're going to be preaching on this morning. And we're going to be preaching the gospel. We're going to hear the preaching of God's word and his salvation that we have received through Jesus' life, death, burial, and resurrection, and faith that we have in that. This morning, I'm going to be preaching Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. This is a passage that many of y'all are probably very familiar with. Uh, and it's a beautiful passage. It's wonderful. In, this, in these ten verses, it contained a wonderful summation of the Christian life. And I'm sure many of y'all could quote all ten of these verses because we have heard them so much, preached so often, especially verses 8 and 9. 
which are, are, are for, for by grace you have been saved through faith. It is not your own doing, it is a work of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Many sermons have been preached on those two verses alone. Beautiful sermons, wonderful sermons. Those are beautiful verses. But I want to make sure we look at this, these ten verses in a holistic manner, that we not just pay attention to those two verses, but that we see verses 1 through 7 and verse 10. Because they are also very important to a Christian's life, a Christian's understanding of our faith. And this morning, I want to go ahead and read the passage in entirety. And as you're able, I'd like to invite you to stand as we read the read, read God's Word this morning. On Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 through 10. It says this, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love which He loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And raised us up with Him and seated us with Him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So that in the coming ages He might show the immeasurable riches of His grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. This is God's Word. Let's receive it as such. You may be seated. Let us pray. Father, Father, as we are taking this first day of or first Sunday of the year 2019 to gather, Father, I want our hearts and our minds to be focused on this new year and how we can live it in honor of you. To your glory and to your praise. For you are great and you are mighty. And Father, you, you have blessed us more than we deserve as Christians. We are so thankful for this gift. As I preach this morning, I pray that it will not be my words that are spoken, but rather, Father, that it would be your words spoken through me. Hide me behind your word. Hide me behind the cross. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would, you would be with the people in the congregation. I pray that you would, you would open their minds open their ears, their eyes, to see the truth of the gospel this morning. Father, we love you. Father, we thank you. Father, we praise you. It's in Christ's name. Amen. Now, I know when you hear that we're preaching the gospel, for many people it can be a temptation to, to, to kind of uh, let your mind wander. Like, I know, I know this gospel. I don't really need to hear it again. Uh, is this not just for unbelievers so that they can become Christians? Uh, many people will, will hear a sermon like this and, and think that it does not apply to them. But this morning I want us to realize that not only does this apply to us, not only are we gonna, am I preaching to Christians, 
But Paul in this letter in the book of Ephesians is speaking to Christians in this, in this passage. It says in, chapter, in verse 2, in verse 1, sorry. Chapter 2, verse 1, it says, And you, who is the you? The you is going to help us determine who this is speaking to. Well, if we look back in, in chapter 1, verse 1, it says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus. This is written specifically to the saints in Ephesus, but we can see that this applies also to all Christians. And we'll get into that in a minute, why it applies to all Christians. Because it's going to be a generality about a Christian life. So it applies to all Christians. And it's not as though, if, you, if there's, I don't know any of y'all, I don't know uh, who is a Christian in here and who is not. I don't know. I'm sure most of y'all are Christians. That's wonderful. But if there is an unbeliever in here, I still would exhort you to listen and consider these things. They're important. But at the same time, who I am preaching to this morning is Christians. I'm preaching to my brothers and sisters because this is going to be true about you and true about your life as a Christian. And I want this to remind us of who we are and of our great God who has given us Tremendous blessings. So just know that I'm preaching to Christians. It says, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. I want us to notice the language here is that it says, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins. Not that you were dying. Not that you made a mistake. But you were dead. That's very strong language. You were dead in the trespasses and sins. Is this talking about a physical death? Well, no, because if they were physical de- physically dead, this would be speaking to nobody. Are we speaking about the ultimate death? The, the death whereby unrepentant unbelievers will be cast into hell? Well, no, we're not talking about that either, because if that were the case, this wouldn't be a past tense, because you were dead. No, this is speaking to people in this life now who are unregenerate, who do not know Jesus. This is speaking to all people before they come to know Christ. All people are dead. Dead spiritually. And and there's a commonality that we see in, in people who are dead. And that's that they can't do anything for themselves. Nothing whatsoever. They can't move themselves. They can't speak. They can't... They can't do anything of value. They're dead. And I want to point that out because it is important that we understand that it's not as though we were we were in a, a, a it's not as though we were in an ocean and God came by and we were just kind of floating above the water. And God came by with a life life raft. And all we gotta do is reach out and grab it. That's not what it is. I want us to understand that it's more like we were dead on the bottom of the ocean and God rose us up. I say this emphatically because it is an important understanding is that we can do nothing for ourselves spiritually before we are regenerate. This is the way in which we once walked following the course of the world following the prince of the power of this world, of of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. We understand 
following the course of this world. We see people seeing what the world does, the lust of the world, the desires of the world that is against God's desires and following after. So we understand that. But what does this, this saying, the prince of the power of the air, mean? It's kind of peculiar to us. Well, to, to put it simply is that the, the air, the original Greek, means the atmosphere. The atmosphere, obviously, we can understand means the world. This world that we live in. So who is the, who is the prince of the power of the air? Well, 2 Corinthians 4.4 4 says that Satan is the god of this world. So the prince, of the, the prince of the power of the air, the prince of this world, is Satan. That's a very humbling thing to hear because this applies to all people. Not only were we following the world, we were following Satan himself. We were following after the tempter, the evil one. All of us, at one point, were following after Satan. It's very humbling to believers to remember that we weren't always God followers. There was a time when we were Satan followers. The spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, that's just unbelievers, those who are disobedient, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Paul continues talking about how we have followed after our flesh. We followed after the, the, the desires of our body. But I want us to kind of pay, to really pay attention to where it says, and were by nature children of wrath. We were children of wrath. What does it mean to be a child of wrath? This, this in our context, is difficult to understand, but in a more first century context, which is when this would have been written, it would have been understand, understood that a child of wrath was someone who deserves God's punishment. Someone who deserves God's wrath. And this was all of us by nature. We were children of wrath. We were deserving of God's punishment. We were deserving of God's judgment because of our sin. Because we followed after our fleshly passions. After the world. After Satan himself. Now, this, this is a very, very difficult stuff to, to comprehend. It's very difficult to take in. I understand it's heavy. And if I said right now, we're done, you leave, go, eat, y'all would rightly be discouraged. Because what we see here is that we're fallen, we're broken, we're sinful, we deserve God's wrath, and we can do nothing about it. If I left it there, if Scripture left it there, Y'all would be rightfully discouraged and have absolutely no hope. I just want to put that plainly. There would be no hope. However, I want you to pay attention to these next two words, which to me are probably some of the, the most hope-filled words that we see in the Bible. Especially in the New Testament. Verse 4. But God. But God. Just, just think of that. What we're about to see is God's redemption for us as fallen creatures. What we're about to see is God loves 
us and has merciful to us. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which He loved us, This is why God has chosen to do this because he is, he is rich in mercy and this love that He has loved us with. These are the attributes that contribute to Him desiring to, to save sinners like us. And I think that Paul really starts here without telling us about God's redemption, but telling us His motivation because it's so humbling to hear about God's mercy and love. Put this right here. It's so humbling and so amazing to hear about God's great love and His mercy. And it says, even when we were dead in our trespasses, going back to verse 1, we were dead in our trespasses. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, God made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. God in His power and His mercy has made the Christian alive with Christ. We were dead, but now we are alive. Amen to that, yes. We were dead, but we are now alive together with Christ. And raised up with Him and seated us with Him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Do we see what's going on here? We were dead. We are alive. We're seated in, in heaven with Christ Jesus. Do we see the picture that Paul is painting here to Christians? We share in Christ life, death, burial, and resurrection. Just as Christ died and was raised, we too are dead and raised. Just as Christ ascended into heaven, we ascend into heaven. Now, we don't see that in, in, our, in the fullness just yet. But I want us to see here is that this is spoken in the past tense and raised up, raised up, us up, raised us up. I want us to understand that our eternal life begins when we come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. It does not begin upon death. It's, it's true now for the Christian. This is true now. We will not realize it in fullness until the day that we go to be with our God forever after, on, on the completion of this life. But it is true now that we are seated in heaven with Christ, with our God. That's so, so beautiful. So wonderful to know that we share in Christ death and resurrection. So that in the coming ages, He might show the immeasurable riches of His grace and kindness towards us in Christ, Christ Jesus. What we see here in verse number 7 is, is kind of a very, it's a very clear picture of God's motivation. Why, why did He choose to save sinners? Sinners who could do nothing about our sin, who could do nothing about 
our lostness. Why did He choose to do it? What could be God's reasoning? So that in the coming ages, He might show the immeasurable riches of His grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. Why God did it is for His glory. It's for God's glory, for His praise forever. That is why He chose to save sinners. Some people don't like this. Some people think that God's arrogant when He, when he seeks His glory. Some people think that God is just a self-centered being that, that just wants praise heaped upon Him. And we understand that because if we met somebody like that, we would rightfully think they were arrogant. We would rightfully think that they think too much of themselves. But I want us to consider this truth. Is that God being God has no choice but to seek His own glory. Because if God chose to seek another's glory, any other being's glory, He'd be committing idolatry and would be, never would not be God, would cease to be God. I don't have time to get into that a whole lot. But what we have to understand is when God seeks His glory, He's seeking His glory because He is God. Not because He's arrogant. Not because He's self-centered. But because He is God. Amen. That is why He has chosen to save sinners like us. That's beautiful. Beautiful. So I've shown you who we were before Christ. We were fallen. We were broken. Now we see God's redemption for men and the result that we are raised to life. That we are seated with Christ Jesus. But how do we come to faith? If we understand that faith is the way that we are saved, how? Can we come to faith? How did we as Christians come to faith? Verse 8 and 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. We understand that it is by grace that we have been saved. And in us showing faith is the... the the uh, way that, that salvation is realized when we have faith in Jesus. But I want you to notice that Paul is very, very careful here. He says it twice to make sure that we know that we are not the cause of our salvation. I want to warn us to be very careful because it is easy to think that our faith is a work that has saved us. It's easy to see uh, uh, we can be arrogant if we think that our faith is a work that has given us life. That's a very dangerous place to be. But what I want you to understand today, brothers and sisters, is that this is not of your own doing. You did nothing to earn this. You did nothing for this. It is a gift of God. God has given us this faith, this grace, this salvation. It's not your own doing. 
is a gift of God. And to, to hammer it home, that is not our own doing. Verse 9 says, not a result of works. No work that we have put into this has saved us. Faith and faith alone is the way that we are saved in Christ Jesus. So that no one may boast. If we did nothing, we can boast about nothing. If we did not save ourselves, we cannot boast about it from our perspective. But what we can boast about is God's redemption. God giving us salvation. God's blessing to us who were once sinners. <laughs> it's amazing. In 1517, there was a German monk named Martin Luther. Many of you may have heard of him. He is credited with being the one who kind of initiated the Protestant Reformation. He, in 1517, nailed a list of 95 theses to the Wittenberg Wall or Wittenberg Church Door uh, in Germany. And he began this Protestant uh, Reformation. And he is one of the reasons why we are Baptist gathering today, because we are Protestants. And he began us down this path after the church had been corrupted at the time. One of the things that Martin Luther discovered in his study of Scripture and revelation that God's shown him, not new revelation, but revelation of the Scriptures, what he discovered is that we are saved by faith alone, which was a very big deal because the Catholic Church at the time was teaching that we were saved by our faith plus our works. It took both to be saved. But Martin Luther came out and said, no, 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 no. Faith is the only way that we are saved. And many people have taken this to mean that we are saved by faith and works means nothing. We can be saved and just live however we want to. Well, in the danger of falling off one side of the horse to the other, what we have seen is many churches have done just such. There are some that have the, the Catholic Church, even now, works plus faith equals salvation. But some have fallen off the other side of the horse and say that, that faith is salvation, but you don't need works at all in any part of our life. I want us to understand this morning that that is not true. Martin Luther said that we are saved by faith alone, but not a faith that is alone. Our faith will result in our works. Not because our works save us. Not because we are earning anything towards our salvation. But because we have a new heart. Because we have been made alive spiritually. We have a new nature that is found within us. Verse 10 speaks to this reality. And many people stop at verse 9, but I think that's a mistake. I think verse 10 really gives us a great summation of a Christian and what he should be seeking to do in this life until the day that we are with our God forever. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We are God's workmanship. We would be nothing without our Creator, 
For He created us. <laughs> we are nothing without Him. We are created in Christ Jesus for what? That's what I want to understand. We're created for a purpose. If we have faith, and then we just go and live however we want to, we're not living out our purpose that we were created for. We were created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We were created for good works. Once again, I, I keep emphasizing this because I don't want us to get it twisted. You could think that I'm saying the wrong thing. But what I'm saying is not that we are saved by our works at all. Works contribute nothing to our salvation. Faith is the only thing that has brought salvation to us. But a result of that works, or a result of that faith, a result of a regenerate heart, a new spirit, a new being, is that we will want to live according to our purpose. We will want to live according to how we were created. We were created for good works. Thus, we were created for good works that we should walk in them. The best way to end this message this morning is I just want to give us some great encouragement this wasn't a, a help, self-help sermon. And I'm not very big on preaching those anyway. But what I've given to you today, while it's true for all believers, and we should know it's true, what Paul has laid out here in the book of Ephesians through the inspired Word of God is who we are. From our, from our birth to our death as Christians. This morning, I desire that we live this out. Don't let this stay here in these church doors. Take this into your community. Take this to your loved ones and your friends. Take this out of here. I have fallen victim to that as well, leaving it inside the church walls. But I want to exhort us this morning that we would do good works, that we would live this year honoring God, praising God, worshiping God because of what He has done for us in giving us a new life, which we do not deserve. None of us deserve it. You're not saved by being a good person. You're saved by a good God. As we begin 2019, let us be reminded of the great love and mercy of our God who loved us. Let us be reminded of who we are, that we are created for a purpose, to worship God, to honor God, to praise God. Let us never forget that. If you're encouraged by what you hear, please go like our Facebook page, share the episodes, and rate the podcast on iTunes. Don't forget that a new episode drops every first and third Mondays. Our prayer is that these episodes are an encouragement to you and that you would be faithful in the ministry that God has placed you in. I'm sick of